Okay, so the Torah class today is sponsored by Hanan, Bilun Yishmat, Binyamin Ben Yosef, who just passed away, and the Shama should enter Gan Eden, and the good debater should intercede on behalf of the whole family for Ogu Basir Chal Yisrael, and speedily Mamesh be reunited with the family with the coming Mashiach and Chet Ametim. The first Rebbe of Chabad, the Alt Rebbe, he said you have to live with the times. And people didn't know what he meant, live with the times. But he wasn't referring to the literature of London or the style and fashion of Paris. What he was referring to was to live with the Torah portion of the week. And this week, after a five-week marathon again and again about the building of the tabernacle, the whole instruction of Hashem, how to build it, and and the collection of the funds. Finally, this week, the Torah says that they actually built the tabernacle. It's actually built. So, if we are supposed to live with the times, the question we have to ask ourselves is, Hashem says in the Torah, make for me a sanctuary, and I will live and I will dwell within them. He says it in the plural, which means it's within every single one of us. So the question we have to ask is, how do we make ourselves into a mikdash. How do I make myself to be a home for Hashem? How do I open up the gates of heaven so that I can be filled with Hashem's holiness and Hashem's blessing? What could I do to make myself into a Beit HaMikdash? So in the Beit HaMikdash itself, in the Mishkan, in the mobile tabernacle, there are many different vessels. What was the most important one? What was the one you think would be like the center of the whole thing? Many people might say the tablets, the lukot inside the uh, Aron, inside the Ark. Huh? Menorah. Menorah, people would say the menorah for sure, menorah. Some people might say the altar where they offer the sacrifices to Hashem. But there's one item which I don't think anyone would pick as number one. And, huh? Huh? Oh, the kior. Very good. The kior. Very good. The number one item in the Beit in the Mishkan. The tabernacle was one that was the most favorite, that Hashem said is most precious to him, is the kior. What was the kior? The kior was the wash basin. Before the Kohanim would come in to serve Hashem in the temple, they had to wash their hands and wash their feet, and only then can they, uh, can they serve Hashem. Now, even though it seems like, a, you said, a, like a garbage can, like a chas shalom, but it seems like something which is so negative, so like just getting rid of the dirt, you're washing your hands, you're washing your feet. Why is that the number one thing? I'll, I'll tell you how, how important it is. It says in Halakha that if there are various parts of the temple missing, missing the menorah, you're missing the altar, it's a problem, you can't offer the sacrifices unless you have the kiyor. If you have the wash basin, it's okay. It's okay, as long as you have the wash basin. Why is that so important? Even more, there's a concept called milui. I think we discussed Milui a few, about a month ago. Milui means you have like the letters, the, the Aleph base, and you have spelling out the spelling of each letter. For example, the letter Aleph. Aleph itself has a spelling. Aleph, Lamed, Fe. If you want to spell how to pronounce the letter Aleph, right? So the Mishkan, if you would spell out the word Mishkan, so the Mem of Mishkan, you would spell it as Mem, Mem, and you spell it the Shin as Shin, Yud, Nun, and you spell the Chaf as Chaf Fei, and you spell the Nun, 
you will come out to be the number of the Mishkan is the same num- num- number as number four, the Kiyor. The Kiyor is, anyone of the people, how much is a Kiyor? Chaf, Reish, Yud, and Vav. So it's 236, right? 236 is also the Milui, which the inner part of the Kiyor means the inner dimension of, the inner part of the, the fact that this is the filler of the words doesn't mean that it just happens to be the filler. That means this is the inner dimension of the words. What's the inner dimension of a whole tabernacle of Hashem? What's the main thing he wants in this whole thing? What's the inner dimension? You know, like, when you want something, some people are, they say they want, and you guys are all businessmen, you know this better than me. People, you meet someone, they say they want one thing, they want something else, and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't tell you what they want. When Hashem says to build a tabernacle, what's the pneumut? What's the inside? What does he really want? You know what he really wants? He wants the wash basin. That's what he wants. The question is, why the wash basin? Why is that the number one thing? Why is it the inner dimension of all that Hashem wants? So, there's a, there's a very important idea that's very basic, but it's so, it's so um, challenging, I think, to make it relevant to each of ourselves personally, because we all know, our, no one knows better than each of us ourselves our faults. No one knows better than, no one knows better than yourself what your challenges are. No one knows in the language of the Gemara, what you did last night. No one knows. And yet Hashem tells us, I want you to be a tabernacle for me. That means whatever I had in the tabernacle, I had an altar, I had a table, I had all that stuff, I want that in you. In fact, by the way, the reason we do the prayers three times a day is because inside each of us, we have to offer the sacrifices to Hashem. Since we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, Hashem says, inside you, you're a Beit HaMikdash, you're a sanctuary. And therefore, you have to offer in yourself the sacrifice for today. You have to dab mincha, because you're the sanctuary for Hashem. So even if I feel very low, I feel very like missing spiritually, I have to realize that Hashem wants me to be His Beit HaMikdash. He wants me to be His home. And every morning, Hashem tells us to wash our hands. Why do we wash our hands in the beginning of the day? We wash our hands. It says in the Torah, you wash our hands because that's like the kiyot. We're going to serve Hashem. We're going to serve God in our own temple, which is ourselves. So the first thing we do, just like the Kohen would do, we wash his hands and feet. So too, we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is we wash our hands. Wash our hands. Our, our hands are, the Yodim Adayim saying the Talmud says, our hands are, are, are the most is, is the limb in our bodies which is most in touch with the world, our hands and feet. But washing our hands and feet also means to get rid of all the, um, not just a physical cleansing, but it's also a, a physical, a spiritual cleansing to take off from ourselves everything which is the opposite of our own inner goodness, anything which is the opposite of our own holiness, anything the opposite of our, our innocence and our purity. Washing our hands in the morning means you're going to serve Hashem. He wants to rest inside of you. So the first thing you need to do is, is, to, t- is to realize mo- the, the knowledge, the conviction that you are able to be a home for Hashem. Just get rid of the negative. Push the negative aside because you are meant to be a home for Hashem. So every one of us has two areas in life. We have our menorah element. We have our table. We have our altar. That's one element. For us, our, and we, what is our table? Before we get to the Kiyor, what's our table and our menorah element in life? No, it's, when, it's like when Eitan is a chazan. 
You know, and he's doing Nakdishach and Rosh Chodesh. You know, it's like, pss, you feel the energy, everyone together. Nakdishach, right? You feel that, right? You feel that, that power. That, that, that's a, it's beautiful. You want to get into it. You want to be part of it. Sometimes you go home and you feel, you know, the, the love of your spouse and your children. And you feel like, ah, it's all streaming. It's all flowing. Your, 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 your kids look, they're dressed nice and they're learning and they're getting awards and they're doing this and doing that. You feel like, ah, my kid was the student of the week this week. You know, like, I, I'm going to Disneyland next. You know, like that, that, that kind of, a, of, of, a, of a, that, that's, that's your menorah moment. That's your table moment. That's your altar moment. But besides our menorah and our table and our altar, we also have a kiyar moment. A kiyar moment is we're trying to figure out what do we do with the lower parts of ourselves. We need to wash off the negativity. So the altar Rebbe says, the first Rebbe Chavad says, that when I deal with those negative elements, I deal with my jealousy and my anger and my frustrations and all these things, I achieve something far greater. Where was the um, kiyar where was it made from? How do I know? Why am I saying this was the most favorite part of God of the Tabernacle? Where did I get that from? I didn't make it up. It's in the script. It says in the Torah that when the, the women brought their donations to the Tabernacle, they brought their gold, they brought their silver, they also brought their mirrors. And Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu was like, I don't want to take those mirrors. I, I mean, silver and copper and gold, but this is made for Yitzhahara. This is made to, to, do, you know, to, to, to look nice, the woman to look beautiful. What does that have to do with the temple? And Hashem says, This is the most precious thing I have in the entire temple. Why? It says in the Talmud that when the Jewish people were in Egypt and they were hungry and they were tired, they weren't interested in having children. So their wives would meet them and they would bring them food and they would hold up a mirror and they would sort of like playfully say to their husband, I'm more beautiful, look, I'm more, I look nicer than you. That, that's, the, that's what the Tesnet, these are the words of the Torah. So because of this, Hashem says, you don't accept this, this is what raised for me the, the uh, Jewish people in, in Egypt, this is what brought the Jewish people out of Egypt, this is what, why there's so many Jews that left Egypt, was because of these mirrors. You don't want to take the mirrors, the mirrors are the main thing. Okay, so the mirrors are important. But the mirrors could have been used for other things. The same way the mirrors were used specifically for the cure, for washing our hands. Something about the mirror which has a relationship to washing our hands and feet. What, what does that mean? You know, uh, some, some say that what was special about the mirrors was a woman sometimes is more important to her to have a mirror than it is to have food. A woman cares about her appearance. So I'd rather have a mirror. They say that when the pilgrims came to the United States, they wanted to... Uh, have to buy from the Indians all their gold. And the Indians had lots of gold. They didn't want to sell their gold. How did they get the Indians to sell their gold? They showed them something magical that the Indians didn't have. Look at this. Look at the, look what, what, what we have. We have mirrors. And the Indians, whoa, that's amazing. So the Indians like, well, we'll give us more of that. We'll give you our gold. They didn't realize that the gold wasn't as, uh, uh, the gold was far more valuable than the mirrors. But just like th- this was how they felt, this is actually how it really is. There is two kinds of glass. There is transparent glass, see right through it, and call, it's called a glass which is, lumi, which is luminous, and then there is a glass which has a covering in the back which you can't see through it, and that's a mirror. So there is a time in our lives when things are flowing, like I said before, things are flowing, things are transparent. 
And then there is a time when there is a concealment. Things aren't full. You can't see through the glass. There's something that's stopping you. There's something that's preventing you from doing what you're meant to do, and you, you feel like it's stopping you. So the Alter Rebbe says, those moments in your life, those things in your life, which are concealments, things which challenge you, things which put you down, things which make it hard for you, those are actually your mirrors that allow you to see your inside. The things in your life which, are, which seem like they're stopping you and they're preventing you and they're holding you back, on the contrary, that is what helps you understand who you are. I did this a, a study about, about very young children. They took these babies, very young babies, and they put a red dot on their foreheads. And then they took the babies and they put them in front of a mirror. So they discovered an interesting thing. When the babies are really babies, so the babies, when they see the red dot on the, on the mirror, what do they think? The mirror has to be cleaned. <laughs> so they go and they would move, try to clean the dot off the mirror. And they turn about 18 months, 18 months, then they no longer try to clean the dot off the mirror, they started feeling the, the, the dot on themselves. And then they realize that the issue is in, 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 in the... At that age, a child realizes that he has something inside of himself that's, that's negative. The truth is that the previous Rebbe says that we have to know our virtues and know the faults. You hear the words? Know your virtues and know the faults. Why does it say the faults? Why doesn't it say know your faults? Because faults aren't yours. You are a neshama, you're a soul, you're part of God. The faults, all the negative stuff, that's taken, it's not, your original perception as a child is, 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 is a little more accurate. So if we could, we, need to know what? we have to know that your virtues, your good things, oh, okay. your good things and... and so our negative stuff, our stuff that holds us back, the thing that prevents us from, that we think are stopping us, that's actually the mirror that Hashem is giving us to find ourselves. And if you find, and you fight against those challenges that you have in your life, and you do what Hashem wants you to do anyway, you push ahead, you could discover your Beit HaMikdash. To get in the Beit HaMikdash, there was sort of like, you know, like a, 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 a fence you had to jump over. The fence to jump over to get in the Beit HaMikdash was wash your hands and feet, which spiritually means... I know when I was a child, we wanted to always to stay up later. Once stay up later, we do this, we do that. And mother always told us, gesund, wash your hands, face, and brush your teeth, and then you could play the game you wanted to play. So to get into your inner Beit HaMikdash, it requires a step. What's the step before? first? You have to first wash your hands and, and, and feet, which means that you have to address those things which you think are holding you back and overcome them. That's how you get into your Beit HaMikdash. That's the entrance to your menorah, to your table, to your altar, the entrances, it's not, the mirror, it looks like you stopped seeing, you can't see further. On the contrary, the thing that looks like it's stopping you from seeing, that is allowing you to see your own face, to you see your inside. In Hebrew, the word face, panim, is related to primyut, your inside. What allows you to see the, your inner self, your primyut? It's the thing that's, that looks like it's stopping you. And that's why they made the cure specifically from the mirrors. And that's why it's the most precious thing. It's from these harder moments in our life that we overcome, that we're able to create something new. There was a yeshiva student who had a very hard time spiritually. He went to his mentor, Rabbi Shlomo Chaim Kesselman from Kfar Chabad. And Rabbi Shlomo Chaim Kesselman, they're having a Hasidic Fabrengan like we're having now. And Rabbi Shlomo Chaim looks at him and he says to him, Yakar, which all says today in Hallel, the simple meaning of the translate the simple translation of this verse is it is 
weighty, it is grievous for Hashem, the death of his pious ones. If someone passes away, so God has pain with us. But there's a deeper meaning. Hasidim say, what's precious to God? What's yakar? Yakar also means precious. What's precious to God is hamavta. When we kill those desires that try to bring us to the wrong places, when we kill them, we overcome them, that's what's most precious to God. When we, when we wash over, we wash off the negative stuff. How much time do we have left, Eitan? Okay, tell you, tell you a story. Okay, here we go. There, is, there was a Jew whose name was Rabbi Menachem Markowitz. And he was living in the time of the Holocaust. Kwanel Tzlan, uh, I checked out the story as much as I can. It's an incredible story. And it doesn't sound like it's a, believe, a story that you would believe. But uh, someone actually made a whole, a whole research on the internet about the story and where, the, and where it's filling, which is the item of the story, are found today. Menachem Markowitz, he's a rabbi in Poland, I believe, before the war. He moved there to Israel. And he uh, was offered by a Nazi a pair of The Nazi said, do you have any gold? Do you have anything precious? And in Auschwitz, he still somehow smuggled something in. And he would, you know, ordinarily, you know, in Auschwitz, it's more precious a piece of bread than a piece of gold. But he gave the Nazi uh, the gold, whatever he had, whatever precious thing he had, I don't know exactly what it was, to get the pair of film. Bring the pair of film to the barracks, which he was in. And... In this barracks, there was a, another Jew, also a rabbi, who they wrote a book about him as well, called the Chassid HaAcharon, the last Chassid. This, uh, and, the, and the, he shows it when we have a pair of tefillin. Who wants to put on tefillin? It was nighttime. You don't put on tefillin at nighttime. But this other rabbi is like, I don't care. I'm putting on the tefillin. If I get beaten up by the Malcha Mavat, by the angel, by, by, after 120 years, and, and because I put on tefillin at nighttime, let, let it be, let it be. And he puts on the Ixabracha, Hashem has blessed us, the mitzvah putting on the film, puts on the film at night, and everyone, there's two rows of people, and the whole barrack, everyone's putting on the film at nighttime. In the middle of their excitement about the film, the Nazi comes in. The Nazi comes in, and the Nazi knew who his film it was, and the Nazi knew what was going on, and the Nazi started beating up Rabbi Markowitz. They were beating him and beating him, and he took the film, and he, and he said, Tomorrow, I'm going to hang you in front of everyone. I'm going to burn the tefillin in front of everyone as well. So the Nazi leaves. And they all were so distraught. Amazing. All distraught. You get, how could you burn the tefillin? How could they burn the tefillin? Imagine what they were thinking. Imagine the kind of souls they had. How could they burn the tefillin? Like, long story short, they managed to get the tefillin back. And nothing happened. They managed to get the tefillin back and nothing happened. Kind of, kind of, kind of neshamot. They, they went, they went to where the Nazi was lived in the middle of the Auschwitz. They got the film back, and until today, there is a pair of film that they that that, that belonged to this Rabbi Menachem Markowitz that someone um, United States has. Was he hanged? No, nothing happened to him. Nothing happened to the film. Apparently, the Nazi was embarrassed that he, you know, that the thing was taken away from him, and who knows. Rabbi Shatya Savitsky, the Rabbi Erbis emissary in Belgium. He said he was, he was a yeshiva student in a yeshiva called Kol Torah in Israel. And he uh, was, there was the, someone called the yeshiva a Rabbi Laniado. Uh, Rabbi Laniado called the yeshiva one Thursday night. And he said there was a certain organization they had then in Israel to protect the remains of Jewish people. Sometimes the hospital would take matters in their own hand and decide to use parts of the body for research or whatever, that's what they were afraid of, whether how much 
how extant it was, I don't know, but because of, they made some kind of organization in Israel that among the religious Jews to protect the body from autopsies and all these things that we don't, that we don't do. Less, uh, and, and apparently in this situation there was a real, I don't know what the circumstances of her passing was, but they were really afraid that they were going to do an autopsy or something, or something and therefore Abelinado went to Yeshiva and said he wants two guys to come to stay in the hospital with the body. So Rabbi Savtitsky and his friend, they went to the, went to the, uh, the room, and uh, the nurses say, um, they were saying till him, you're supposed to say till him next to the body, next to the, next to the person who passed away, you're supposed to say till him there until the burial. They're saying till him. Middle of the night, the nurses come, they say, we have to, the doctor has to come in and to examine the, the uh, corpse, so he needs you to go outside. So like, well, they can come in. Said, according to our rules, you, the doctor cannot examine the body while you're here, you have to go out. Yeah, but they were, <laughs> according to our rules, the doctor can come in while we're here. So they said to these two yeshiva students, you got to leave now, or we're going to call the police. So like, call the police. So they went to call, call the police. Meanwhile, it's an incredible story, I actually called Ibn Savtitsky uh, this morning to find out, it just didn't sound, this guy, the, her husband, was over 80 years old. And her husband, seeing that the police are coming and they're going to do whatever, they, they were autopsy, whatever, whatever he was afraid they were going to do, he, this, this room that she was in was next to a balcony. He opens up the, the uh, porch, whatever, the, the doors. He picks up the corpse. He jumps from the balcony. Here, he, 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 they're looking at this guy. He jumps from the balcony with the body of his wife, he falls down, he rolls over, the, bo- the body, Hamal uh, San also falls. He picks her up again, and he's limping, and he, and, and he continues to go on with her. I mean, it's amazing, I mean, uh, uh, how old he was, and how heavy a body is. A person passes away, they're much, much heavier. The doctor comes together with the policeman. <laughs> they close the, the, the uh, and they say, okay, you guys have to leave. Okay, we're leaving. <laughs> they left. The left and the uh, policeman, uh, what happened? What happened? I know the, the husband, I think he took the body. <laughs> they ran away. Anyways, the point is, it says in the Pasuk, in the Pasuk it says, My dove is in the cleft of the rock. My dove is in the cleft of the rock. In the hidden place. It's a Pasuk in Song of Songs. My Yonati What's the next words? Continue. Ah, very good. Let me see how beautiful you are. Let me hear your beautiful voice, your sweet voice. My dove. Who is the dove? The Jewish people are called God's dove. Because the doves are faithful to their mate. So the dove is in the cleft of the rock. You know what the cleft of the rock means? You know what the wings of the dove are? The wings of the dove are the two powers that Hashem gives us to elevate our mitzvot. When you do a mitzvah with love, that's one wing. Do a mitzvah with reverence for Hashem, with yira'ah, it's another wing. Do a mitzvah with both of them, your mitzvah can be elevated. So, when you're in the stuck in the cleft of the rock, means your wings are tied, you can't move anywhere. You can't move anywhere. So you would think, you're stuck in the cleft of the rock, you're in your worst possible situation, you're not at all beloved by Hashem at that moment, so Hashem says, what are you talking about? When you are stuck in the cleft of the rock, says the Alter Rebbe, and you can't move your wings, you're not even interested, you don't have any feelings, and yet, Hashem says, at that moment, your voice is sweet. Your appearance is beautiful. That means that when we are looking at the, the mirror, 
And one more point. The mirror doesn't let us just, just let us see ourselves. The mirror lets us see what's behind us. Like in the story with this guy, he had superhuman strength because of the mitzvah he was trying to do to protect his wife's remains. It's kind of strength that we don't know we even have. The mirror doesn't just, doesn't just allow you to see yourself. You look in a mirror, you usually go and see frontwards. With the mirror, you have to see behind you. There's things you don't even know that you even possibly could have, and you discover those things through the mirror. What's the mirror again? The mirror is those things in your life which prevent you. The challenges you have to prevent you doing what you think you're meant to do, and Hashem wants you to do, and you, when you overcome those challenges, then you're able to get into your own Beit HaMikdash, and make a home for Hashem. Hashem should help us all. We should build our own personal Beit HaMikdash. We should see not just our personal Beit HaMikdash, but the Beit HaMikdash HaShrishi, the third Beit HaMikdash, the card of Mamish, the Mashiach Zakein, will take you to Mamish.